You are listening to Rankin Vile, a proud member of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. I went to my first cemetery just for like fun since I was in um, elementary school and a Civil War reenactor told me that the Civil War wasn't over slavery. <laughs> so i had a really great time <laughs> so wait was this like their job like people walk into the cemetery and they pop up just just to go hey just so you know i'm a huge racist and then like, you're free to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly like like tennessee specifically has some pretty good cemeteries though i'm not gonna lie i i've spent a lot of time in cemeteries in tennessee See, and this is what's wild, is I missed that phase of lanky goth kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I'm, you know, a 30-year-old dad, and I'm like, I guess I'll walk around the cemetery and look at some old shit. Oh, look at that. That's kind of cool. Uh, and it was very strange, because it's the first time. Oh, sure. This is, see, I, most of high school for me was like, I, uh, I had 38 kids in my graduating class, and so there were like two other goth kids. And that was one of those things where, like, you're hanging out with these other goth kids and you don't even like each other particularly, but you're the only ones. Bonded by your love of cradle of filth and uh, (laughs) and how did you We must. My friend Kyle was very specifically a cradle of filth guy. Like he had the he had the fucking uh, Jesus is a cunt T-shirt. Did he own the Danny Filth horror movie? Oh, that horror movie is god awful, and I we love it very much. We have to do that much. on this show. Actually. Um, my friend, who was a big Cradle of Filth stan in high school, uh, brought that movie over, and me and my punk friends made fun of it. And he got <laughs> very upset that he spent so much money on a movie that we relentlessly taunted. <laughs> I just figured it out, like because horror, like horror, is the domain of both punk kids and goth kids. Yeah, and that's right there. That's the divide between punks and goths is Danny Filth's horror movie. Which so then, okay, so if Danny Filth is the divide, is Grave Forty Five like the um the two arms shaking from from Predator? <laughs> Definitely that. But you know who the the unifying force I think is Glenn Danzig. Oh, for uh, sure. <laughs> with Veronica, which I still haven't seen Veronica yet. You know, but... I was, I was on, um, I was shopping for DVDs online the other day, and it popped up. And right. I was like, huh. <laughs> It's very much the Dean in Community. This better not awaken no. something in me. 
Man, the thing is, Glenn Danzig is so much the person he is that I feel like he sort of exists outside of uh, my dislike or like of Danzig. It's it's not on me to do either of those things with Glenn Danzig. He sounds like evil all this. Reminds me of like when you fuck around with a joke and then you wind up with a legitimate fetish. Like, well, wouldn't it be funny to fuck a dead court person? And you're like. Wouldn't it? it? (laughs) That's that's the thing is, uh, I forget who tweeted it, but like, uh, if you tweet about a specific fetish more than twice, it's not a joke anymore. You actually have a fetish vor jokes, and then... So, Ryan, what does it mean when you record a podcast for (laughs) a hundred episodes about a fetish? Uh, That, well, that's, let me tell you. Honestly, like, with the vor thing, like, Christina was like, Ryan, I need you to stop making vor jokes because like I feel like if you keep making vor jokes, I'm gonna have to we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to have an uncomfortable conversation. Like, are you into vor now? That sounds really hard to enact in real life because nobody is big enough to swallow you whole like a Tylenol. Um, so it's just you know modern dating. Quincy, what? So quicksand. What... <laughs> oh my god, quicksand. Which by the way, one of the movies we're talking about this episode also prominently features quicksand. So I think yes. It's... Quincy, it's marks. Three weeks in a row that we have had movies with quicksand in them. Why? How did this happen? So, so do we need to rebrand as a quicksand fetish podcast? <laughs> I mean, we are about to start selling t-shirts, so maybe there should be one that has text at like collar height. That's like, if you're reading this, I'm stuck in quicksand. <laughs> Rank and vile you, podcast. Can, or at the bottom of the shirt, if you can read this, throw me back in the quicksand. <laughs> throw me back into quicksand. <laughs> I am a fish out of water and I need help. Um, all right, so Quincy, what, uh, what, what ghoul shit have you been consuming on this week? I watched the 1986 original anime video, The Wannabes. Oh, how was that? It was amazing because it's about uh, Puro Joshi, uh, female Japanese wrestling, uh-huh. uh, but they wrestle a monster. <laughs> Man, honestly, like like uh, Joshi specifically is one of those things that uh, it's so easy to get people into. Like it's it, it can be hard to get people into wrestling. It is zero percent hard to get people into Joshi because you just like describe Joshi wrestlers briefly, and everyone's like, I want to. I want to build a shrine to Akira Hakuto for holding her neck in place while it was broken during a match. Oh, and definitely the villain tag team, the Foxy Ladies. Um, oh, yeah. One of them is very clearly a uh, um, Aja Kong with the serial numbers filed off, and the other <laughs> is uh, similar but legally distinct. Um, Akira Hakuto. <laughs> I was just about to say it, w- it wasn't Aja Kong. It was like Ada Wong, but then I realized that it was a from an evil. So Ada Wong and a deer. Hakuto's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a deer, a deer Hakuto's. Oh, also, I, I would be remiss not to mention that at one point, uh, one of the wrestlers flexes so hard her singlet rips off of her body and her large boobs burst out. Good because gravy. it's 1986 and this is a direct-to-video anime. Oh, it's 1986. I, that, that's my thing. Is like anime titties specifically are they? They're they're terrifying in a way that they should be terrifying. Like they do not abide by the laws of physics. They don't care what you think about them. They will never stop ever until you are dead. Like 
anime titties as a force. The terminator I, I like them. of <laughs> Of yeah, memory no, glands. Well, it's incredible. Like they don't. They. They. I think that they're like an eldritch force that like manifests themselves as two orbs. Like <laughs> they. Yeah, they're they're necessarily terrifying. It's the um, green ball from uh, heavy metal that just yeah. goes from world to world, conquering the universe. I mean, the the, the green orb did definitely produce a, a a a large titty woman at the ending of heavy metal. Like that shit. I think we're actually it's onto something here. Logic. Wait a minute. I just realized, could the green uh, orb from heavy metal be like a really cheap way to get gender reassignment surgery? Huh. Like, so Ryan, what just... have you been into this week? <laughs> I was just thinking like, where do... listen, if I, so, you know, hypothetically, where does one find this green orb? <laughs> just, I'm just asking for a friend. Um, so this week I have been, um, holy shit. So Tubi has so many fucking Hong Kong horror movies. Tubi uh, rules. Man, Tubi is very good. I've been buried in those uh, this week. I need to but... also make it very clear. We do not get in. We do not get a affiliate with Tubi. We're just fans. Yeah, we, we're just... we gain nothing from gushing over Tubi, Tubi every week. No, absolutely. Listen, we we are out here uh, pounding the sidewalk, getting people to watch this bizarre streaming service that seemingly popped up overnight and has every weird movie ever. Um, and has very local commercials. I'm fascinated to know yeah. what commercials you get, because I promise you they're not the commercials I get. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, mine are, mine are not like, hey, buy Amazon products. Like, it's very sort of places I never would have heard of otherwise. It's like, come to the local co-op uh, for all of your diabetic needs. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I'm not, I'm actually not convinced that uh, Tubi is not a mass hallucination between the two of us. Like if it, <laughs> we're going to look up and it's like a beautiful mind and I've just been staring at a blank fucking screen for like a year. I'm going to um, go so to the website and they're going to say, there hasn't been a website here in 40 years. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's the logic. It's the logical next step. Um, I have also been, so you, you, you ever do that thing where you realize, uh, now with, with, with big box video games, I think there's this thing we do where we, um, we get a game when it comes out and then we, um, unless it's like a multiplayer online sort of joint where it's like a, an overwatch or a, a Friday the 13th, the game that, you know, sort of you're, you're playing a different Animal game crossing or animal crossing. Yeah. Where you're like playing with other people. So it feels like a new experience every time. Um, if it's like a one player game, I think I play through it once and then I'm good forever and I never want to play it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that that was stupid. And I, um, decided to drop doom eternal and replay resident evil 7 hell yes that man that game is so good and i love so much that after like it was like an apology for resident evils 5 and 6 (laughs) um where it was it starts out and it's just like hey guys welcome to resident evil sorry about those last two do you like the texas chainsaw massacre and gives you that how good resident evil 4 was well you're in luck Oh man, Resident Evil. Obviously, RE4 is like the 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 eternal best survival horror game of all time. I think, um, but yeah, no. So I've I've been replaying that, and it. I don't know. I appreciate so much. Now it's not a Resident Evil game, really. Like it's not. Resident Evil Seven is only a Resident Evil game by like the the most generous possible metrics. But I don't know. I just I've been trying to replay a survival horror game that I don't hate. And I think the problem is me. I think the genre 
I think survival horror games and I have just like grown apart and we're doing different things now because when I play survival horror games, I get really pissy because I'm like, I don't want to fetch the spark plug from the basement. I want to get yelled at by a ghost and like, okay, hear me out. Yeah. Okay. I hear you, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring you back in as your pusher to, okay. to hook you again. Um, Sweet Home, Excellent. the Super Nintendo uh, survival horror game. I'm which sorry. Is a uh, action RPG. I have never heard of this. What, it's, it's a Super Nintendo it RPG. Japanese release only, but with the miracle of the internet, you can probably find a fan translation. See, this is I uh, found a uh, creatively acquired uh, PS2 emulator for my laptop, and I decided to download um, the thing, which was a, a, a sort of sequel to the movie The Thing, where you're like a, a bunch of um, you're like a rescue team coming to um, the outpost to like be like, oh, what happened? And then you know you get sort of eaten by by the thing or whatever. Um, but the incredible thing is that like running a ps2 engine on a computer is kind of like trying to chew a statue like it's just fundamentally it's it's it like it's not meant to do this and so and it'll just talk about the hubris that game developers of the playstation 2 had they're like we can put video on this so let's put all the video on this oh yeah yeah there's a Which, five hour cutscene, and 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 then later on you know video games would just uh also try to basically be a movie but have it animated with the actual sprites i've been and trying you... to play kingdom hearts and it's like yeah i want to play a game where mickey and goofy fight monsters and i've just been on an island for five years <laughs> I love so much that it's like Mickey and Goofy are fighting monsters. Goofy commits a war crime. Like it's trying to be really <laughs> grim and like, oh, I'm sorry. Did we just get extremely fucking real in this Disney tie-in RPG? Um, so yeah, it's yeah. So let's let's jump into our first movie this week, uh, which is uh, Quincy. Uh, this was this was uh, your suggestion when we were trying to figure out what we were going to be doing this week. And this week, uh, we the first movie we're doing is The Beastmaster from 1982, directed by Don Coscarelli. Yes, so um, our friends at Umbrella Entertainment released a very good Blu-ray edition of The Beastmaster. Now, you're sitting there thinking, that fantasy movie with the himbo and the tiger? How can that be a horror movie? And I thought the same thing. But then I remembered that Don Coscarelli of Phantasm fame directed it, and then I watched the damn thing, and it is... It is the most Dungeons and Dragons a movie can be that's uh-huh. not Tom Hanks in Mazes and Monsters. <sighs> yeah, it's now basically what it is, I think. So the the, the sort of sword and sorcery movies um, of the 1980s, like this is in that conversation, but I feel like separate from that conversation somehow. It is. It's wild because especially when you watch this and the Phantasm movies together, Coscarelli is trying to make something, but he plays, he does not play by the rules of any conventional <laughs> cinema. That's so a fact. This is very clearly a Conan the Barbarian, a, a Conan the Barbarian exploitation film. It is a barbarians are hot, loincloths are hot, we have to cash in on that market. This was a financial failure, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Whereas. Whereas Conan the Barbarian is like one of the highest grossing movies of the genre, this right. is like an embarrassingly uh, underperforming movie. 
Well, and this is this is uh, uh, in the genre of movies known as Nonan movies, which was like, <laughs> you know, Conan the Barbarian dropped, and then a bunch of other movies were like, we'll find a fucking sweaty himbo and get him oiled up real good. He's going to have a loincloth. He's going to kill a fucking dragon. It's going to be great. Um, and then the, the thing is that Don Coscarelli, he's, he's good at some things. One of those things is not plot, I think. Yeah, um, it's... it's- bananas visuals which is why it's such a good D movie because oh yeah a D campaign is a mixture of like large set pieces and like large overarching story and just murder hobo we ran into some goblins so we're gonna murder <laughs> the shit out of them and take all their gold oh man on the way to the castle and this movie follows that structure of all of a sudden, there's space vampires. I guess Dar's <laughs> got to fight them, too. You're, I hadn't even realized that. You're exactly right. There's a bit in this. All right. We should we should get into the plot. Let's such start as it is. from the beginning, because it's a wild journey. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Uh, so it starts out and there's like a, a, a wild ritual happening in a cave. There's fluorescent blue glow juice. There's witches and hags and such. And they're hanging out. And there's uh, a, a child being birthed. And... What what was the the birth sequence at the top of this movie is completely insane. Yeah, so Rip Torn is this cultist priest, and he says because of the prophecy, we must kill this child. So they kill this child, and then the witches are like, actually, the it's a very Oedipal, the uh, son of your enemy will be your destruction. So I'm I'll kill him ahead of time. So oh, yeah. the queen is pre is with child and a witch breaks into the castle with a cow and magically pulls the baby out of the queen and impregnates the cow with the human child yeah then she has a she makes a cesarean cut on the cow and it's going to ritualistically kill it to get, make Rip Torn stronger. Actual American character actor Rip Torn. Man. I choose to believe this is his true form. Yeah, no, Rip Rip Torn in this movie. First of all, his eyebrows are doing so much goddamn heavy lifting. They look like a sideways letter C. Um, he is just and, in a constant, like leering sort of Halloween mask face, just being like, bro, I need to sacrifice the babies. And he's just Riptorn mostly sacrifices babies in this movie. Like he does other stuff, but this is primarily a love letter to Riptorn committing infanticide. It is 99% Riptorn throwing children <laughs> into flames and burning pits. Just chucking them down into flaming pits like dropped marshmallows at a campfire. Like he is and, just and, like. And he comes to the village and says, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But he comes to the village and says, we got to do it. We, you got to give me a kid to throw in. And the parents are like, how about no? And he's like, guards. And then the parents are like, man, I was going to use that kid. <laughs> and he yeets them into the flames. Hey, do you mind? I was using that. And he's. <laughs> And also, like, and I cannot stress this enough, it's goddamn Rip Torn. I I was so excited when Rip Torn popped up in this movie as the bad guy. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Some call it corn, we call it therapy. We're adults with the virility of men. Want to hear us read snack food copy and talk about Japanese chips? Too bad! Join us every month or so on the Greenlight Podcast Network. So this witch... Uh, 
cuts the cow open to kill this this child. And what I really love is that's a trained cow in movie effects makeup because yeah. it's breathing. How the fuck do you train a cow, by the way? I feel I like... I wish I knew. How do I... What I'm asking here is how do I make a cow be my best friend and, like, follow <laughs> me around? Like, it's like when David Lynch was walking his pet cow by the side of the road in Los Angeles to promote... Uh, Laura Dern getting nominated for an award for Boardwalk Empire, um, which so he yeah they 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 the cow technically births this kid, yeah. Um, so then a random dad is walking through the woods and he says, "That's weird. That looks like some devil shit." And has a broadsword and kills the witch, thus interrupting the ritual. Yeah, and so he's he's sort of uh, it's a real Disney's Hercules uh, situation where he's like, all right, well, I guess I've got a strange son now. Um, and, and this is you... the most dad-looking dude. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Bald he with a pot belly, and he's got a uh, glaive-style throwing weapon. <laughs> well, the thing is like, like all this... dads have. I mean, I know my dad had a throwing <laughs> star. Like your dad did too, right? It's yeah, it's the circle of life. If they if and he on doesn't your have one birthday, you get the throwing star. <laughs> yeah, CPS can actually uh come and collect your kids if they catch you slipping without a, a boomerang sword knife that you can you can throw. <laughs> um at the dad meetings, we all present them <laughs> as our entry. <laughs> Just comparing our our boomerang blades. Now, th this being a Don Coscarelli movie, his his dad looks like Reggie Bannister from Phantasm. Like yes, he is balding, bald, but with really long hair on the sides. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Ronnie James Dio. It's like the skullet where it's like very long on the sides and in the back, completely bald on top. Um, fucking riffraff ass dad in this movie, and he so. So he... Dar, so he names this kid Dar, and he is branded with a magical sigil, but sure. the the, um, the magic didn't complete. But because he was born from a cow, that makes Dar able to talk to animals, thus becoming, wait for it, a beast master. <laughs> because he has a connection with the cow. So what you're telling me is that uh, Dar from Beastmaster could kill Macbeth. Because he is not of a woman born, he exactly. emerged. He emerged face first from a cow. Yes. Um, now, Dar, uh, we 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 realize early on there's a scene with a fucking grizzly bear. Or I I don't actually I don't think this is a grizzly bear. I think it's smaller because like it's a brown it's, bear. Yeah, it's a brown bear. Because like if you're making but a, it's a movie, very large compared to the twelve year old actor. Which this is another. This movie is fantastic for its special effects, especially mm -hmm. its matte shots. Because it is very well edited to look like the bear is about to eat this small, this the child version of Dar, but it's mm -hmm. clearly a mat shot where that child was nowhere near the bear. Yeah, and which also, you know, I, I was gonna I, for some reason I was gonna say that it was a grizzly bear, and then I realized like, no, you don't get grizzly bears for movies. Like that's not. It's 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 bad, but also the tiger this... in this movie, however, is literally in every scene with actors. <sighs> Man, honestly, the fact that Don Cosk, like the guy that made Phantasm, was given enough money to make this fucking movie and given access to like tigers and shit, completely insane. And so this bear, um, it's a real trained bear. Uh, it's a friendly looking brown bear with little wiggly ears who decides that actually 
Dara's cool and they're friends now, and you realize, like, oh, Dara's, like, down with animals, right? But like he, only he, after he's just friendly he kills Dara's dad's friend, because this is an agrarian tribe, he kills their adult friend, and the bear is covered in what is ostensibly um, strawberry jelly, because you can't put stage blood on a bear. Everyone knows that's a rookie <laughs> mistake. Well, that's because when you return the bear, you know, like, that's coming right out of your deposit if you get, <laughs> like, gore all over the bear. Um, but so Dar grows up, and he... Now, the actor they got to play Dar... So Dar has a, a connection with the bear because he's a Beastmaster, and the bear's like... All right, cool. I'll see you later. Um, I'm full and rubs his tummy and walks away. And Dar's dad says, you're special. Don't tell anyone, which is the best <laughs> trope in movies because that yeah. never goes wrong. We don't have movies like the X-Men franchise or Frozen where a kid displays amazing powers and their, their parents are like, hide that. Nothing yeah. bad will happen if you hide your magical powers. Yeah, this is I, I love it so much as a as a parental move, like my my child, you have this incredible gift, this wonderful miracle. Don't you fucking tell anyone how cool you are, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> like big mood. <laughs> like don't tell oh, people yeah. you're cool. This is actually that you know what the, I I've decided to uh, retcon um, what happened when I tried coming out to my family in high school as being <laughs> cool. That as it's... recognizing your powers and <laughs> this is the, was... this is the yeah. power that will unite the two kingdoms. We must keep it a secret for your safety. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and instead of whatever it was, uh, the, so, <laughs> the, so the guy... your father-in-law, your stepfather, weeping. <laughs> Yeah, my yeah, just just deciding like I have no son. Uh, it, was, it was it was it was a fun time. Um, but so the the guy uh, Dar as an adult looks like David Caruso on roids. He is the most himbo himbo there can be, and I love it. I am here for yeah. him. He is a friendly boy. He eats all his granola. He listens to like John Denver. He's I love he literally that... is like just giggling in the field hoeing. <laughs> the crops and evil uh, <laughs> cavalry come in and slaughter his family. He's like, Oh man, man, man laughs alone with buckwheat. Like it's just him in a field farming and laughing about farming. Um, and, and he's got he... a good dog, which, which of course is an even better dog because he can talk to him. Ryan, what would happen yeah. if you had the magical power? Let's say you were born of a cow and now right. you could talk to your dog Tinkerbell. I, that's the thing. If I could talk to Tinkerbell, I feel like the entire conversation would just be Tinkerbell looking at me and, and typing with her dog brain, colon, capital D, grin face, <laughs> and me being like, no, but like, what do you think? You know, what are you thinking for dinner? Like, do you want me to add anything to your kibble and just colon, capital D face, like just excited <laughs> to be doing anything. Tink, um, what do you think about the current state of affairs? Colon, capital D. <laughs> uh, no, but really, don't you think that we can't? Uh, and just, yeah, yeah, constantly. Colon, capital D. <laughs> yeah, like she's, if, if I know. And then like, ACAB. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also ACAB. Yeah, no, no, Tinkerbell hates cops. Um, But she, honestly, cats, though, I feel like would be a different story. Like dogs are not complicated creatures in many ways. Uh, you kind of know what's going on with them. A Listen, conversation. I, a dog, am a simple man. <laughs> I'm just a simple country lawyer dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got simple needs, simple desires. And I feel like a, a conversation with a cat, if you're a beast master, that conversation is them looking at you and thinking things like, I wonder how much blood I can fit in my mouth while maintaining eye contact with you. 
Like, like I don't hey, know that. Can you help me rescue this princess? I don't feel like it. And I'd rather nap while thinking about murder. Thanks. <laughs> and they're they're not doing they're not doing shit. Like this is also side note. I love that with cats they've done studies. When we are trying to communicate cat with cats and like gesture and be like, come on, get off the bed or come on, eat your food. They know what we're saying and they just don't care. Like they comprehend <laughs> what we are saying to them and they it does not matter. Erect in defiance of God, they just stand. <laughs> they just yeah, they got hey, get I, I, out of I, the I, clean clothes, cat. Fuck no gods, no masters. God is I I beheld, I beheld God's throne and saw that it was empty. And they're just like small and have fluffy belly. I just I respect their entire vibe. Um, and so uh, what's incredible is that Dar uh, makes friends with two ferrets. And, uh, and what's wild is he decides to name them, and it's a big to do. But like mm-hmm. all fantasy movies, it's just gibberish. He's oh, like, it's gibberish! I'll name you Poe and the other of you Doe, but it is the lines are delivered like that means something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will name you Ralphie, and he, it's just said with such gravity while like the score is swelling in the background. What's amazing about these ferrets, by the way, because they are they are just little little rapscallions, is what they are, and they when they when they appear in the movie, um, they steal uh, Dar's shit. Like they they like they grab his belt or something like yeah and there's like a you know hijinks ensue in a chase scene and it ends in quicksand <laughs> yeah yeah and so Dar is in quicksand uh, and the the ferrets are on the shore with his shit and he's like ah help me and they and lower I... a branch and climb down with their ferret bodies so he can drag himself to shore but he lets one of the ferrets take his place in the quicksand. <laughs> Yeah, he was ready to just fucking dime this ferret out. Like my 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 favorite my favorite bit about this is that for a split second when he's in the 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 quicksand and he's like, "Come on, you have to help me out. You're the reason I'm in here." Those ferrets, their clever little eyes, you could tell that one of them was like contemplating watching a man die. Like, <laughs> yeah, we get to decide who to lives. <laughs> Yeah, like like Poe gets to decide who lives and who dies, and they're just like <laughs> coldly watching him sink into the quicksand. Um, but he, you know, so they, they, they the audience masturbates furiously. Yeah, ex- because qu- <laughs> I told you not to show the quicksand. Um, fuck, fuck, the the fuck, Honestly, at this point, any horror movie we watch that doesn't have quicksand in it, I'm quietly disappointed. Like we just need <laughs> just no quicksand. Come on. Come on, you goddamn, you're so selfish. Just a little bit quicksand. Like, you know. Uh, but so he makes friends with them, and then he has a little satchel on his belt to tuck his ferret friends into while he travels. This is the most wholesome thing I have ever seen in my life. And what's amazing is for the wide angle shots, they just gave the actor two stuffed ferrets that just dangle loosely from his satchel. Yeah, and I love that for the movie Beastmaster, he's just jaunting through the country with ferrets flopping loosely at his waist. <laughs> Here's the thing: if you see a guy approaching you with ferrets flopping loosely from his belt, you don't fucking that talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the, he's either the Beastmaster or a scary vagrant, and it's one of the two. So and we you- also have to talk about right before he meets the ferrets we uh, get to see his dog have a, a valiant moment before he gets murked. The The dog rescues him from the raiding party that's killed his village. And 
like all 80s movies, there's one really cool second-in-command villain that never mm-hmm. talks and has a cool helmet and at the end of the movie just dies <laughs> yeah. practically. And this movie yeah. has that. Uh, so the dog drags adult himbo dar out of the village with like five arrows stuck in his chest and then uh dar has to do the um the star wars i've got to burn my home and leave you know i'm throwing my aunt and uncle oh, yeah. on the funeral pyre and and hitting the road right um, right Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru are flaming husks and I'm going on vacation. Yeah, so he lays the dog in the in his dad's arms and that trained dog is the best boy, better than the cow. Yeah, honestly, this dog actor is like the Errol Flynn of dog actors. He like, lays he's... limp. They're like, play dead. And he lays limp in Dar's arms and his tongue lolls to one side. Yeah, and there's he, a split second when Dar lays him on his father's chest that you see the dog go like, I want to lick him, but I'm a consummate <laughs> act professional, so I'm going to keep pretending <laughs> to be dead. And then Dar puts his dad's arm over uh, the dog's body to wrap around the dog's body. And you can see like a quiver of, fuck yeah. But then he's like, oops, sorry, I got to I got to keep acting. Stanislavski <laughs> method. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's immersed. He has to maintain it. He's a goddamn, he's a consummate professional. It's like this dog and the dog from I Am Legend are like, uh, you know, if you have like the sort of the clean precision of the Jack Russell Terrier from Frasier or uh, the athleticism of the dog from The Thing, the, the dog in this film is much more sort of an emotional actor who's like, you know, he's going for that, for that pathos and that tongue lolls and... Um, yeah, yeah. As movie dogs go, this this one is like the the Marlon Brando of this movie dog dogs. Fucks. <laughs> oh, this dog Defo fucks. Like he's he's so great, and so yeah, he gets his uh, moment before before dying, and it's very sad. And then because the whole movie is getting the band together, then he makes friend with a, a with like a falcon. Hunter, Hunter, you Hawkershow, literary analysis, comparative localization. Jojo references. The works of Yoshihiro Togashi hold a specific kind of magic, and the people who seek to examine their roots and spiritual descendants are known as the Spirit Hunters, available on the Greenlit Podcast Network. And it's not explained how he's able to see through the Falcon's point of view when the Falcon flies, but we just kind of, Don Coscarelli, like, hand waves, and it's like, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And so he, this Falcon, by the way, gets, I I think is the real MVP of this movie. Like that Falcon does so much of the heavy lifting for Dar. Um, Dar's superpower. These worthless ferrets because he like has to carry the ferrets around. Man, they honestly talk about the, the bird is a good actor because they hand the bird ostensibly its food and say, don't eat it, fly it over there. And it does it. Yeah, yeah. This movie this... is a a monument to the ingenuity of American cinema. <laughs> it's basically it's a sizzle reel for the animal kingdom to fucking show off, is what it is. <laughs> like it's just animals in their prime, uh, swinging swinging for the fences. Now at this point, uh, we we get to the bit with Riptorn, um, 
who is sacrifice he's he's taking part in his usual pastime of sacrificing babies and casting them down into a fiery pit um we watch a baby die in this movie like he full on throw an infant into a a flaming pit he just slam dunks this baby into the grave like it's and it's just rip torn screaming it's like fuck that fuck them kids and just just throwing them so um, what makes this film horror is the next scene where Dar is continuing down the road. He he stumbles upon pods, glowing pods, like Invasion of the Pod People, and there are weird, mouthless, like the shucking scene of um, society, mouthless bat men, mm-hmm. and they are melting people and slurping up the liquefied remains man honestly terrifying it gets fucking gruesome like it i don't know like there's so much of this movie that is just like don coscarelli being like what am i interested in well a lot of really gross shit is what like there is no no real plot to speak of in this movie but I'm, i'm gonna actually i'm gonna go on record as saying I think this movie should have been about 40% gorier, and I kind of wish there was more, like, proper blood and gore spurting out of things. I wonder, given Coscarelli's other films, if there's a director's cut that does deliver on that. Yeah, yeah. This movie and I mean, is, I believe, uh, PG. Which is also ha- insane, because the amount of titties in this movie is wild there is so there are so many titties in this movie like you're not taking your kid to go see this at the matinee in 1982 although now that i say that yes everyone took their kids to see this at the matinee in 1982 all right son well you're five years old i think it's time you saw your first pair of titties and you just take them out to the cinema Beastmaster. that sounds like a kid's movie well um yeah yeah and so uh what so dar makes a friend who is yeah, so a... these aliens see that dar hangs out with an eagle and they're like yo we're in an eagle cult here's an amulet da 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 which definitely <laughs> comes back in the third act yeah yeah it's god damn now so then because an eagle two ferrets and a very good dog aren't enough and a bear uh, mm-hmm. Dar finds goons torturing a leopard. But here's the thing. You can't train leopards, but you can train tigers. So they just bought a bunch of boxes of over-the-counter hair dye and dyed a tiger black. <laughs> but in yeah, it's scenes, because a tiger has stripes, it moves and you can see, oh, that's a tiger with hair dye on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, right, you can see the stripes. Like, it could not be more obvious. Now, and this is the thing. I This is uh, this movie is such a case of simultaneously looking very expensive and very cheap. Yes. Um, Which are I don't the think best I... 80s movies, I, I submit. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, while, while watching this, I was like simultaneously... Um, impressed that they gave Don Coscarelli enough money to make this movie look as good as it did. And then also surprised that a movie that kind of looked... Now, I feel like this genre of like sword and sorcery movies... No necessarily, Yeah, no nans, thank you. They, they necessarily look cheap. Yes. Like, you're not getting like a lavish... If, 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 if the studio it's actually... It's their exploitation. They have to turn a profit... 
but they they can't go in the red. Well, if the, yeah, if a studio has money and they want to make a movie like this, you're getting three the movie 300 and nothing else. Like that is a movie about buff dudes with swords fighting witches and shit that is you know, it looks expensive. This movie, it's simultaneously like the 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 costuming looks kind of cheap. Um a lot of the now actually a lot of the effects pretty good. Yes, the monster makeup because the aliens and then later the like berserker monsters, God, which are just I, people with with slugs in their ears that go crazy and they cover them in spikes and just let them loose, uh, all look pretty good. God damn, I I keep forgetting that there are aliens in this movie. Like, why why not? You know what? It makes as much sense as rip torn fucking elbow dropping babies into I hell. I also love that the witches are just models with um masks they're just ugly faces with like hot nubile 20 year old bodies and in other scenes where they're sacrificing virgins it's the same women just they took their masks off (laughs) that's what it was they were like like, we only have enough money for five models yeah, uh, some of you are going to have to be double cast as the, the witches as well. <laughs> yeah, they only had they 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 blew their entire budget on tigers and shit. So they were like, oh, we can hire exactly five actresses that we we just have to sort of play a bit of musical chairs and put a mask on some of them and shoot some of them from different angles to provide the illusion that listen, I'm Don Coscarelli. I know women. I have I have so many women <laughs> casted in this movie. You would not even believe it. It's so much. Um, so but, here's so, why. Dar is a perfect himbo Mm -hmm. because he finds a princess being harassed alongside this tiger and he valiantly rescues them strictly to fuck her. Oh, for sure. Like he's, this is, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just that I'm um, puritanical or old or something, but when he rescued her with, you can tell like the sole intent to bone down, it was like, buddy she come on like put it away for two seconds and what's amazing is he says to the tiger act like you're going to attack me and let me like throw the fight and let me defeat you so i can impress her and he's like you know (laughs) i barely you know fought that one off but no deal and the tiger like no sells he's like come on dude help me out tired of this forced push for dar he's like come on man i'm going over and the tiger's like no brother i'm not i'm fucking winning this fight Get so fucked. dar is the roman reigns of <laughs> yeah and the tiger's just like going into business for himself like nah brother i'm i'm winning this fucking fight um and so she's like you know he he meets her and she's like ah i'm a slave and you know which for this kind of a narrative i feel like uh have you ever uh are you familiar with any of the 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 gore books like tarnsman of gore or whatever yeah, it's it's not a good look in um, 2020. Oh, it 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 aged uh, like a fine milk. And <laughs> watching watching a thing like this, you're sort of like, can we not? Have I will that say aspect? the only time it works is when a black author writes it. So like Samuel R. Delaney's uh, fantasy slave novels are great because they are uh, reimaginings of uh, slave. Uh, sex novels right so that it's not just of the, like of the antebellum cell so it's like this, right it's um 
deconstructing the idea. Right. So it's not just some uh, weird, weirdo white SFF author being like, imagine a universe where naked women have to tell me how cool my karate moves are. And it's just like a weird excuse for shitty gender dynamics. Um, but but Beastmaster he... is not written by Chip Delaney. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Like, honestly, Beast. I feel like uh, he's respectful after the weird initial encounter. Yeah, like, because she beats the shit out of him. Yeah, she fucking teaches him respect by kicking the flying shit out of him, uh, which is great. It's what you, it's it's what you want. Um, so then now, you know the bands together, except for one more or two more people, the boy king and his uh, advisor. So yeah. uh, Dar rescues, who's basically the heir to the throne, and he says, "We gotta break my dad, the king, out of uh, the." jail that rip torn has so then we have the actual plot of this movie now what is the runtime of the film to this point ryan uh by this point i would think that the runtime was like you know we're probably what an hour and 10 minutes in uh, you know like we're probably pretty close to the end like you know we're 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 moving toward an ending certainly but you'd be wrong we're an hour and a half in <laughs> We are an hour and a half in with, and I cannot stress this enough, half an hour to go. Um, now, I love this movie very much. It is completely out of its mind. It has no business being like two, two, and, two hours and ten minutes long. Yeah, like, because they get to the Forbidden City and you're like, cool, uh, ten more minutes. And it's like, nope, 30. <laughs> Not on my watch, motherfucker. Don <laughs> Coscarelli paid a lot of money for these animals, and he's going to get his fucking money's worth. But um, they get to the city, and then the movie gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's when things get hinky. <laughs> Which um, is wild, because this is a movie with blinking eyeball rings and aliens for no reason. But then when they actually go through the castle things get strange and bizarre how would all right so how would you describe the last like leg of this movie it's a dungeon crawl it is a dungeons and dragons adventure of like search around and try to find people and roll your dexterity check to miss the traps and uh you get some treasure at the end and some xp to move on to the next level yeah and also rip torn is the um He's the final boss at the end of this. Uh, honestly, there knowing are slugs that make people into green-eyed uh, barbarians, and there are, um, you know, pit traps and witches and magic and shit, and and elaborate portcullises and an exploding lake of oil. And then, yeah. if that's not enough, oh no. Dar's not gonna win, and the cavalry shows up. And who is the yeah. cavalry, Ryan? Uh, is it wait? Which which animals were they? I I forget which animals they they come come through at the end. It's the bat people. Oh the yeah, bat aliens vanquish all the bad guys and give <laughs> Dar like a thumbs up and fly away. <laughs> Because he's got the amulet. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, they see that and they're in like... the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Right, so they see the amulet and they're like, oh, you're cool, you're fine, we're, we're giant bats. Now, <laughs> the thing is, uh, this being a D&D &D movie and Rip Torn um, being the, the bad guy at the end of it, all I can think about is how 
terrifying and great uh, a D&D campaign DM'd by Rip Torn would have been. <laughs> because, like, Rip Torn, like, notoriously volatile, uh, sort of, you don't know what substances he's on that day, but he has a lot of heart. And, you know, it's just gonna, and, you're just going to show up. And howdy, knowing you and me and how we play role-playing games, the amount of oh. times we enrage our dungeon masters, <laughs> imagine just nudging Rip Torn the wrong way. Like... You know, up. Oh, you didn't make that check. Well, come on, I actually. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting like, all right. You know what? An ogre exposes himself to your party and throws a cup of piss at you. You piece of shit, and just like flips the table, <laughs> and that's yeah. Rip torn stabs you in the face. He, yeah. Honestly, I feel like I've I, I somehow transmuted uh, my uh, uh, you little shit energy from when I was in school to uh, when I'm in a D and D campaign. And I'm just like trying to find ways to scuttle the DM's plans for <laughs> where the plot is going where I'm just, you know, and they're sort of like, all right, so there's a thing on the wall that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rope with a little handle on it. And I'm like, I burned I the rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? I light the rope on fire and try to use that as a light source to find a light switch. I'm just like, <laughs> piece of shit. Like I would, I would never want me as a, as a player. Um, but yeah, so they, they are, they are vanquished by bat people. Um, and that's the movie. And that's the movie. The Quincy, now, this is what's wild. This movie has a lot of sequels. Beastmaster uh-huh. two door falls through a time warp into 1990s Los Angeles. What? What? Yeah. Does, the second does... movie has time travel. <sighs> You know what though? That's does Don Coscarelli direct Beastmaster two, or did, was it handed off to somebody else? Um, Don Coscarelli, unfortunately, like our founding father George Washington, knew that in order to help the country move on and grow to its full potential, he had to step down from the franchise and pass it on to a new generation of directors. <laughs> Yeah, truly the the George Washington of, of the cinema <laughs> of is, American is Don, genre film is <laughs> Don Coscarelli. All right, so he so he he didn't do the one where Dar uh, comes unstuck in time and winds up in no. the uh, the 1990s, which believe it or not came out in 1991. So we had to wait. Wow, a grip of a long time, Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. now my favorite part, uh, talking about the IMDb plot keywords oh wow all right how many so plot whatever... keywords do you think have been submitted i'm going to guess at least one and that word is quicksand and it's from don coscarelli who typed it with like sweat pooling on his upper lip uh and you would be correct but hey quicksand <laughs> oh no it's it's not there what no no uh, come on i'm, so- come I'm on. sorry we have to break the bit quicksand Ah. does not appear as how am i supposed to know (laughs) exactly they put kicked in the groin spear and redhead here but not quicksand (laughs) mother dies in childbirth but not quicksand we we are fully like giving a baby a tornado ddt into hell and you can't give me quicksand as a search term I can get bare-chested male and female frontal nudity, but not quicksand. <laughs> I love that it specifies kicked in the groin. Like, that's... <laughs> somebody was just like, finally, a movie with a kick in the groin. I was going to um, make a joke how there's 69 plot keywords, but it's bullshit. I don't want to fucking do this podcast anymore. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you just like you know it's smoke bomb. I'm done. I can't. I can't do the plot. I can't do the so plot. So where do you want to put this shit bird? Doesn't have oh, quicksand as a, uh, fuck I'm, you, IMDb <laughs> users. Put quicksand on there, you cowards. Listen, you're you're a professional if this website. Episode, posts and within 24 hours none of you put quicksand on there <laughs> you have it is your american duty as a patriot to put quicksand as the as a tag on imdb i'm gonna make an account so i can put purely purely to add quicksand as a a fetish search term for for beastmaster on imdb that's there are people that's all the plot keywords are there for right Oh, I mean, yeah, no, it's somebody trying to like pull rope to a sword and sorcery movie and then looking it up on IMDb. So, um, where do you so looking, this movie? I'll tell you what. So, looking at the list, uh, I am scrolling a little bit. Now, this movie, I would say, as sword and sorcery movies go, um, it has about as much of a plot as any sword and sorcery movie, which is to say, fucking none, like just zero actual plot, which I appreciate. Here's the thing. I don't want a sword and sorcery movie trying to tell me that like, well, you know, the the the, the true friendship was the friends we made along the way. Like, can we please get to the bat people killing Riptorn? Thank you very much. Now, um, another bananas movie about medieval Europe or a medieval alternate time is High hmm. Spirits at number 218. Now, High Spirits, uh, which also features uh, Peter but O'Toole. Boy, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Oh, oh, a young, uh, a young and freshly amnesia. We've got Peter O'Toole in the mix. Um, I feel like between High Spirits, uh, which is a failed horror comedy uh, from um, what the eighties, yeah, I I feel like I'm giving the edge to the Beastmaster just because <laughs> it's the movie The Beastmaster. Like there are so like every part of this movie was just like. I just imagine Don Coscarelli's like slowly dawning realization that no matter how much crazy shit he asks the studio for, they're going to make it happen. It may not look great and it may not work great, but he will bring you a bear and a tiger and ferrets and bat people. Um, So scrolling up a little bit um, at number uh, 202, we have the toxic Avenger uh, by trauma. Um, both of which uh, feature uh, cruelty to children. <laughs> I guess you've got a kid getting his head run over by a car in Toxie, and you've got babies uh, just getting hucked into into a fire pit. Um, which which would you? All right, Friday night test. Which would you rather watch, the Toxic Avenger uh, or the Beastmaster? This is where nostalgia is a dangerous uh, factor because mm-hmm. I would pick Toxie. Yeah, I mean, we like we've seen it so many times that it's like comfort food at this point. Yeah, it's it is the crispy, crunchy chicken of um, <laughs> the gas station chicken of of uh, movies. Oh, it definitely. You no, know it's not good for you. But mm-hmm. it's eight o'clock and you haven't had dinner and you had to stop for gas, so you might as well. And the heart wants what it wants. And that's just <laughs> that's your you and this fried chicken have a death pact, and you you need to see it through. So um, Castlevania is at number 208 is oh man this I would say given what we now know about Warren Ellis this movie's mm-hmm. certainly better than Castlevania. Yeah, we're ding we're, we're dinging Castlevania for Warren Ellis being uh, a shitty a shitty dude. Um however, I mean this is I mean I I do hasten to point out this is a horror movie podcast. This is a a list rife with shitbirds. <laughs> like yes, we we have a untenable amount of bad 
bad uh bad filmmakers yeah. in the genre yeah although we've still never and i would i would say you know what i don't think we've ever talked about this until this moment but i feel comfortable saying we should never do a jeepers creepers movie uh, yes, on this, this podcast an unspoken agreement this is a behind the scenes look we have talked about not doing them but this mm-hmm. is our promise to you dear listeners we will not cover any movie in the jeepers creepers franchise and part of that is because the fun of this is like coming up with the worst movie and that's just an unfair mm-hmm. ad- advantage well yeah i mean that's the thing is like what what that would be would we would we would drop it pretty much to the bottom of the list because you know and the reasoning would just be like well it was made by a pedophile so yeah, um, yeah. i i do you do this every time at a use i'm at a used video store and i see someone with jeepers creepers i'm like do you know about the director um, or, or am I just the only killjoy that is haunting uh, used movie stores? I mean, that's the thing, though. If I see somebody with Rosemary's Baby, I'm not. I, I you know, this is this is the thing. I mean, like, it's a it's a much bigger conversation than our uh, unimpeachable and, and perfect, perfect list of uh, movies that are objectively better <laughs> yes, and worse the, than each other. The list that we get corrected on every time an episode comes out absolutely uh but it's i would joke, yeah, you know, y'all this whole it's thing a, is a joke it's a humor pod i was making a humor joke um <laughs> so yeah so i feel i feel good about uh putting this above castlevania season one um however i think i know where i'm drawing the line um i think all right i'm gonna i'm gonna propose a thing and see if it and see if it makes sense okay um at number 203 we have interview with the vampire uh, and at number 204, we have Wild Zero, which is the zombie movie uh, featuring uh, Guitar Wolf, um, which is also a nostalgia thing for me. And and I, I acknowledge that. Um, I feel like uh, The Beastmaster by Don Coscarelli, I, th- I feel like it's better than Wild Zero because that movie also doesn't have a plot, but it doesn't have a bear. Um, and interview- I think it's not as good as Interview with the Vampire because um, at least the child in Interview with the Vampire gets to kill people instead of the other way around. Okay, I agree that it's not as good as in Interview with the Vampire, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say something. The gender politics of Wild Zero are That's true. far more advanced than the himbo, I'm, I rescue pretty lady, she fuck me. You fuck friendly darmen for rescue you from quacksand? And he's, yeah. I, yeah, the scene in Wild Zero where uh, Ace has fallen in love with a trans lady and then uh, Guitar Wolf bursts through a wall to scream at him that love knows no genders, nationalities, or borders while playing guitar and screaming at him. It's, yeah, I think you're right. However, right below Wild Zero is uh, Cody Merrick's uh, Scary Stories. Um, which didn't really do much for me. No, it just said, hey, remember remember these books that a movie just came out about? It's interesting, yeah. but not as interesting as watching Rip Torn Yeet Babies for two hours. <laughs> Rip Torn Yeeter of Babies. Oh my god, it's like Bray Wyatt with the, he's the yeeter of worlds. He's just fucking, right. just casting them. Or be yeeten in these three. <laughs> It's either Oingo or be Boingo in this on this bitch, on this bitch of a uh, So yeah, so I feel actually I feel really good about that. So come all right. So coming in at our new number two hundred and five uh, below Wild Zero, but above the scary stories to tell in the dark documentary by uh, documentary by Cody Myrick is uh, Don Coscarelli's The Beastmaster. 
Scroll up, Ryan. We're talking about Phantasm 2 now. All right. So, uh, holy shit. So, Phantasm 2. Um, this movie took place, uh, what, eight years after the, uh, uh, eight years after Phantasm in, uh, 19, or excuse me, nine years, because it was 1979 for, uh, Phantasm. And it literally begins with the last shot of the original movie. And apparently, uh, Don Coscarelli, so the incredible thing about this, um, Universal actually picked up Phantasm 2 because they figured like, well... You know, the movie Phantasm has a a, a, a shake-and-bake fan base ready to go. Um, just make another movie. And the problem is that Don Coscarelli had no idea how to make a sequel to Phantasm because he was like, well, I mean, I, I thought the movie Phantasm was a, was a full story. Parentheses, by the way. Don, have you seen the movie Phantasm? It, it is, you to call, it is like, dream logic, which is cool, but it doesn't follow any narrative structure on the planet earth in the history of narrative. Yeah. Bold of you to call that a story, Don. Uh, but <laughs> so he basically was like, Oh, I, I know I'll just start it where the movie phantasm ends on that last shot. Now and the incredible the, thing, the oh, boldness of retconning an entire film with your sequel. The first <sighs> movie was a crazy dream. Boy, howdy. I actually, I remember the first time <laughs> First time I saw Phantasm 2, I saw it at a double feature of Phantasm and Phantasm 2. And I accidentally, when um, the, 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 the main character, like the, the young boy from the thing, Mike, uh, he is, uh, you know, sort of like, wow, I can't believe my brother got killed by the tall man and the tall man exists. And his friend, an ex-ice cream man who <laughs> hangs out with him, just goes and customizes guns to have four shotgun barrels. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uh, listen, Reggie Bannister is right, and he should. Do and it. also uh, but... carries nunchucks in this movie. He oh boy! All right, we'll get into that. Um, the the, the incredible thing to me is that uh, Reggie Bannister um is like, wow, I can't believe that my uh brother got horribly murdered by the tall man, and he goes, you know, that was just a crazy dream, and. <laughs> When I saw the double feature of Phantasm and Phantasm 2 in theaters, I actually, like, when I realized that this movie was literally saying the events of Phantasm were just a dream, I actually yelled, What the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just spent time in my life watching this motion picture, and you're just going to be like, Yeah, it never happened. Um, it's God. <laughs> uh, uh, and so it uh, what the, the the tall man pops up to to menace uh, Mike again, and um, he we 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 fast forward to um, nineteen eighty eight, where he has just gotten out of the psych ward, um, because he's like, oh no, I, I know now that I was just hallucinating all of that stuff with the tall man and the and the people dying and the silver balls drilling into people's heads, um. And then a bunch of hanky shit starts happening with the tall man again. The thing is that we could try to describe the plot of Phantasm 2, but the wild thing to me is that um, apparently Don Coscarelli had his marching orders from Universal that um, he had to make an actual movie instead of a surrealist, like, demo reel, like, on <laughs> Phantasm. Like, the movie Listen, Phantasm Don, might as pay you, but we're going to pay you not to do anything that you've already done. <laughs> Hey, how how Don? Hi. What if we paid you to you know make a movie? You want to make a movie, Don? Um, and it's incredible because like the movie Phantasm, as you know, 
was was just Don Coscarelli standing in front of a camera yelling, boo, scary spookies, and like throwing laundry at you. <laughs> and it was great, and I loved it, but it's not a movie. So he, the thing is that Phantasm 2, I think, in, in, in my opinion, makes the mistake of trying to make a movie that makes sense. Yes. It, it, it tries superimposing uh, a Phantasm movie over a, a nougat center of an actual plot. And the problem is that it, it doesn't quite work, um, but it, what it does have, I love, Quincy, my favorite thing is that the Phantasm franchise, it is it has backed a horse, and that horse is the virile stallion Reggie Bannister. Yes, who Reggie is... Bannister is not the hero we deserve, but he is the hero <laughs> we need. You know when you're an ex-ice cream man with a skullet who hangs out with young dudes and no one really knows why you're there. This movie is like it, it, it bet and it bet heavily on like the raw sexual charisma of Reggie Bannister to like, Let's carry also a movie. About Reggie Bannister is a guitar guy, canonically a guitar guy and can just pick up a guitar and play Wonderwall anytime you ask him. <laughs> <laughs> and he will. And this movie positions him as like sort of a, a noted coxman, Reggie Bannister, where he's like, I listen, I've served my time. I had to watch Reggie, Reggie Bannister fuck a young woman who, who is is in who is interested in Reggie Bannister sexually, um, <laughs> and specifically you know, his baldness. Yeah, yeah. She rubs his bald head and says, "God, Reg, I love your head." While rubbing his bald head, and it's like I, I don't, I don't. I've never looked up a photo of Don Coscarelli. It would not surprise me if this were like wish fulfillment. Like, oh man, can you imagine if a young babe rubbed my bald head and said it was cool? Um, it's it's so much now this movie it's incredible what there so it doesn't have a plot but it does have a few other things a four-barreled shotgun it has a chainsaw fight it has uh, a priest getting garroted with his own rosary uh by angus scrim the tall man and it's it got has motherfucking murder balls Fuck yeah, it has murder balls. And the, the murder balls get sort of upgraded for this movie where they're like, all right, guys, it's Phantasm 2. We need to we need to really, you know, step up, step up our pussy and, and, and do like really, really cool silver balls that can kill you. The problem is that it's the movie Phantasm and it doesn't really matter. It's just like, all right, cool. We've got sort of more elaborate flying silver orbs that kill people. Um, it, this is this is kind of a movie <laughs> like it's it's basically a movie. Um, so it. It does not feature uh, the the brother from. Um, it doesn't feature the actor from uh, Phantasm uh, One. Uh, he does. He all all of the original uh, cast members show back up in the Phantasm series later on. Which basically the series itself goes like, all right, well we had to make Phantasm Two for Universal, but now Dad's not even here and God's not watching. So they they are fully back on their bullshit bullshit by phantasm three and god yes, bless them for which it. which we'll come back to later now oh yeah phantasm is at number 83 yes now which is better a movie that is a sh uh, a a it's like a a shoebox diorama of a horror movie where it's just like here's a bunch of horror shit ah eh? Um, and this is a movie now, I, one thing that I will say about Phantasm 2 and then later, the later Phantasm movies, the, the TV series Supernatural owes Don Coscarelli its goddamn life. Elaborate on like, that. 
Well, because so much of like this is a road movie, and it's these uh, two two fellas driving around in an old muscle car. Uh, doing battle with spooksters. And that's what every one of the sequels also turns into is basically the plot of of the show Supernatural and like the vibe and the sort of like kick-ass, double-barreled, high-octane, monster-killing action. And so much of this was like the blueprint for Supernatural and for a lot of like Supernatural sort of action horror uh, things that came after it. I just feel like they owe Don Coscarelli maybe a Groupon for, <laughs> for providing that. Um but yeah, so I mean, like th- this movie does do some shit that's pretty cool. Um, I, you know what? I like Reggie Bannister. I yeah. enjoy having Reggie Bannister on my screen. I'm happy he's there. I also um, have to say that this is the movie that introduces the four barrel shotgun, which becomes a series icon. Oh yeah, the four barrel shotgun. That's that that shotgun is so indicative of how they tried going bigger and better with the sequel, which was like we need to beef those up. We need to have bigger, better silver orbs. Um, we need to punch up the action. I kind of honestly, what I wish is that uh, every movie should have added another barrel, like another pair of barrels to that shotgun, so that by like uh, by phantasm, <laughs> yeah, by Ravager, it's like a uh, Michelangelo Batillo from the band Nitro, where he's got like a four necked guitar in an X shape, and it's that, but it's a shotgun, and it's just like Reggie Bannister spinning it on top of his, you know, like on, you know, just like spraying bullets wildly. Um, yeah, yeah, but I feel like between the two of them. I'm going with Phantasm One yes. purely, be, purely because what it does, and I have no idea what it does, but what it does, it does well. Um, it has sort of, um, it has a sense of purpose that it is one man's um, very silly adolescent horror fan vision in a way that Phantasm Two, it's like two separate movies kind of like pigeon ratted onto each other. And I think Phantasm, the first one, has a stronger sense of purpose about what it's trying to do. Now, I'm remiss to break up the band, so to speak, and put Phantasm to any farther than right below. But below Agreed. Phantasm is Ginger Snaps, Audition, and then Doom, for some Ooh. reason? <laughs> is that yeah. a typo? No, Doom? that's not a typo. That was... <laughs> I had, I had uh, uh, Foz Meadows on, and Foz is really high on the movie Doom, so we... <laughs> Like, which, you know what? They kind of, they uh, uh, turned me around on it. Doom is a good movie. Um, no, it's not a good movie, but I enjoy it very much. Um, I feel like, all right, I know where I'm at. There's not a way on God's green earth I am putting Phantasm 2 above either Ginger Snaps or Audition. Um, I am definitely comfortable putting it above Doom at number 86. Okay, sounds good. So at, no- <laughs> at our new... Number 86 is Phantasm 2, also by Don Coscarelli. Wow, man, this was a, I, I feel I feel really good about it. I think we did a lot of really good work here today. Uh, Quincy, where, uh, where can our listeners uh, find us on the internet? We are in a plethora of social media locations. We have a Discord. We have a Twitter account at a Twitter account at Rank and Vile Cast. We have an Instagram account at Rank and Vile. We have a YouTube account where you can find some playlists of our favorite things. Uh, we are on Letterboxd uh, at Rank and Vile as well. Um, we're all over the place, and we're on your favorite podcasting apps. Yeah, we are we are just about everywhere, um, guys. Uh, just a reminder: um, we have a, uh, a logo sticker for Rank and Vile. Uh, that is uh, available at uh, rankandvile.bigcartel.com. 
Um, we or is it big? No, excuse me. It's bigcartel.com slash rank and vile. Don't listen to me. Um, also, a reminder that uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, and for uh, $5 a month, you can have access to our bonus episodes, um, which we, we, we're, we're, you know, we, we have more time right now because of quarantine to put them up. So you're going to want to jump on that. And you can uh, also access stuff like Foz Meadows telling me about why the movie Doom featuring The Rock and Carl Urban is uh, good, actually. Guys, if you like uh, the show and you like what we do and you um, you depend on us to watch stuff like The Beastmaster so you don't have to, which, by the way, shame on you, watch The Beastmaster, um, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It, it, it helps more than I can express to sort of get us up the bracket and uh, get us in front of uh, more... Uh, I was going to say eyeballs, but ears? Get us... Eyeballs. Yeah, get, getting us in front of more earballs. Um, and, and, and if you don't have iTunes, which I don't, I'm uh, Team Android, uh, just telling a friend, hey, have you heard this show yet? And like sending them a link can also be helpful. Yeah, and listen, it's you know, we've. More helpful than you can imagine. And you know, we've bossed up uh, now and we're on uh, a podcast network and we. Yeah, you know, we're on like... the Greenlit Network who have some excellent shows. Check out War Rocket Ajax. Check out Apocrypals. We are uh, on the shoulders of giants. Somehow we snuck our way to (laughs) the adult table from the kids' table. Ferreting bagels into our tote bags before anybody can notice. Like ours Uh, to idiot ferrets, we have (laughs) snuck into the satchel of fame. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be uh, putting poison in people's ears, and by the year's end, all of the podcasts are gonna be talking about uh, quicksand fetishes. Um, <laughs> um, that's just no one's gonna know the source of it, but we will know in our horrible hearts that we we made it happen. Uh, but that is about all I got. Have a good week, folks. Stay spooky.